Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Falk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the book and ebook Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. On this evening's episode of Revelation of Revelation, a topic never before revealed before now in this audio format. You can listen in at any time by visiting the talk show format of our iCarved uh, programs. And now let's turn it right over to Ken Vernon with tonight's topic. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And hello to everyone who's listening to us tonight. We thank you for joining us. As you may have seen, tonight's program is entitled Once Saved, Always Saved. What question? What a question mark should be on the end. In any event, that is, that has been a major question for many, many years throughout my Christian dealings and time spent with others, where the question has always come up: Do you believe? that once you're saved, you're always saved, or don't you? Over the years, I eventually came to the point where, as I continued in the words, I discovered the answer to that phrase, which really is an honest question, but it's not written anywhere in the Scriptures. So tonight, very briefly, what we will do is look at the answer to the question, first of all, by showing you one scripture, and then we will look at what it means to be saved, what it means to gain salvation. I will read you a scripture now, right from the book of Hebrews so that you can see the answer to that question for yourself. If you got your Bible, read along. The Apostle Shaul wrote this to the congregation in Jerusalem. He said, And let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spur each other on to love and good deeds, not neglecting our own congregational meetings as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other. And let us do this all the more as you see the day approaching. For, here's your answer, 
to the question. For if we deliberately continue to sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only the terrifying prospect of judgment, of raging fire that will consume the enemies. And there you have it, right from your Bible. Always saved, always saved, once saved. No, it's not true. However, that scripture has been neglected. Millions upon millions have failed to consider it over the years. And if you have a congregation, you're a member of a congregation, next time you come together, ask them for the answer. Is it true that once you are saved, you're always saved? The scripture says that's not true. However, the people who are called to salvation come in two groups. And I'm sure you'll recognize this line because it's been around for centuries. It's been in the Bible. It's been quoted by religious people and non-religious people over the years. And you've heard it before. It says, many are called, but few are chosen. And that is the key. To salvation. The call goes out to many. But only a few of those who are being called are actually chosen. Those are the people who have been predestined by the Creator. And as uh, David Stearns in his CJB renders it, from eternity past to be transformed to the image of his children. Boys and girls alike, men and women alike, those who have been chosen are the people who cannot lose their salvation because they have been predestined by the Creator to be his children. And you can read Romans chapter 8 and you'll get a better picture of it also. In Philippians, he tells us, those whom he did foreknow, he also destined to be conformed to the image of his, your King James says, sons, it should read children correctly. So there are two groups among those who are called. The people who are not who do not fall in that chosen category are the people who can lose their salvation, as you can see from the rendering I just read to you from Hebrews. If you neglect your duties to your congregational meetings, if you neglect to continue in the Word, you will have sin willfully. 
and there are no more sacrifices for your sin after that. You can read that in your King James, and somehow the King James does a very fair fair job, a pretty decent job, rendering that fearful looking for of judgment. If you sin willfully. Now, we all sin. But what is that sin that we sin? Is it a willful sin? Is it a planned sin? Or is it the sin, as the Apostle Paul, or Apostle Saul, mentioned about himself? When he said, the good that I should, I do not. The evil that I should not, that do I. And he brings that to a close by saying, O wretched man that I am, thanks be to Yahweh who will save me in the end. So he understood that human beings everywhere would have our weak moments. But if we follow the scriptures by continuing in the word and making every effort that we can to stay within the body, there is that ray of hope even for those who have not been predestined. If you continue walking the walk that you should be walking. Now many feel that Oh, I'm saved. I'll just go on about my merry way and I'll do whatever I want to do. And if I'm here when the Messiah comes, all I all I have to do is call upon his name and I'm saved. No, that is a very false hope for anyone, a very false position for anyone to take. And here's the reason why. First, you must know his name. In the book of Acts, we're told that in that day, all those who call upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Not those who call upon Jesus, because there is no Jesus, as we have shown the world from our website. You can read articles on Christianity 1 and 2, and get a complete picture from the scriptures that you must know Emmanuel's name. That is the name that the prophet Isaiah was given from Yahweh himself, who would be that child that was born of a virgin. So here again, salvation is a very keen, well-structured event. It takes into or into or into consideration our weaknesses, but it also looks at our many strengths as we continue to endure unto the end. Another aspect of this that is also very maligned, totally misunderstood within the realm of Christianity. And I'll share that with you. The scripture says 
It is by grace, sorry, it is by grace that you have been saved and not that of yourselves. Here, what is not being addressed is that 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 bunch of instructions is about someone talking to the messianic community. It does not apply to the world. Messiah said in his prayer before his crucifixion, I pray not for the world. The people who await that day when they are saved, when salvation comes their way, are the people who know his name. It is not a guesswork. It is not a substitute name that you do. You must continue in the word where he tells us we shall learn the truth. If you don't do that, you will not. In that day, when that trumpet sounds, if you're on your feet, if you don't know that name to call on, then you just are not among the first fruits, the people who are now about to receive salvation. Everyone, most I should say, of the people within the Christian community do not understand that the Bible is a Hebrew event. It's about the Hebrew peoples. It is not about any Gentile. It is not about any Christians. In in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Saul reminded the Ephesian congregation that they have they have been grafted in to the Commonwealth of Israel with its covenants. It is a place where they where the Gentiles have come and merely a handful of Gentiles because of the new covenant that was brought to ancient Israel by their Messiah. If you go to Luke 22, you can read all about that Passover event, his last Passover supper or Seder with his disciples. That was not an Easter event. It was a Passover event because it is about the Hebrew people it was in the Hebrew land. It was. It came from the Hebrew Messiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are many who fail to realize that when the Messiah returns for that day when salvation is given, he returns to the Mount of Olives. He does not come back to New York. He does not come back to the Vatican, to Rome. He does not come back to the Middle East. He does not come back to any Arab nation. He comes back specifically to the land of Israel for the people who are now being saved, the people who are called firstfruits. Let me go back to the Exodus and make this a little clearer for you. 
When the children of Israel left Egypt in the Exodus, there were no Christians anywhere in this world. Absolutely none. The Bible that you and I have, along with the people who call themselves Christians, is a Hebrew book. It's about the Hebrew peoples, their interaction with the Creator, who chose them as his first fruit nation. It is eventually for the people of this world who become the number one nation on this earth. You can read that in Isaiah chapter 2. The word, the law, will go out to the world from Jerusalem, not from the Vatican. Very important to understand who the head of salvation is. It is not a Christian event. As I shared with you from Philippians, uh, from Ephesians rather, the Apostle Saul said, we, the Gentiles, have been grafted in. We are not naturally Israelites. We have been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. We were, before that grafting took place, in this world without the Creator, without our Maker, and in a hopeless state until the gospel went out from Jerusalem. Catch the name. Jerusalem, not New York, not the Vatican. The gospel went out to the world that existed at the time. And that message was directed at not only the people of Israel, but also the Gentiles who were being called at this time to become one with the Israelite people by being grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel with all its covenants, etc., etc. Again, you and I have been taught, I'm sure, from your youth, as long as you grew up within any Christian community, within any denomination, you have been told, just as I have been told, many things about the scriptures that are just not true. The people who taught us those things received it from the people before them, and it never dawned on them to take a look at why or where those things are written in the Bible. But it's not a problem, you see, for this reason. The truth that is in the Scriptures was not designed to come to us until now. Now, here at the time of the end, when Daniel says, many shall run to and fro, or journey to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. He said he, Daniel was told, to close the book and go his way. Because the truth, the answer to the question he asked, what do these things mean, would not become available until this time when the truth must come forward for the first fruits 
those who are receiving salvation now, to learn the truth. From John chapter 17, Messiah prayed, I pray not for the world, but for those whom you have given me. It is absolutely, positively clear that the world is not participating in this event. Excuse me once again. We who are now being called, now being sanctified by the truth, await the return of the Messiah, which is less than two years away. And if you would like to learn more about that, simply go to our website and pull the article from the blog for signs and appointed times. And you will see the dates. You will see the knowledge that is there right from your scriptures. You won't have to go away and tell anyone that the man on the talk show program told you that. You will have the scriptures to go on, along with some of history that you will also need, remembering that the Messiah told his disciples, told the people who believed in him, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth. And that is how, that is the reason why this radio program brings the truth from the scriptures. We have been rewarded with the truth for following the instructions given to those who believe. He said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the knowledge of the truth will make you free. As we go on, you will also learn there are other passages in your Bible about those who are being saved. And I will bring you that one Again, problems from translators, as well as the people who, for whom the truth was not available at the time, so they couldn't see it. But for the here and now, it's for us, those who, as I said, are about to receive salvation. Now, let me go back to the book of Hebrews or to Philippians and share a passage with you. One moment, let me turn there. Philippians 2 and chapter 12. Most of your English translations of the Bible will bring you this rendering in the following manner. And you, this, these words you have heard, I'm sure, over the years, time and time again. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, the people who insist, the people who wrote those words in your Bible, in the English translation of your Bible, neglected to read on just a little bit further in the next verse. So I will bring you that verse now, and I'll bring it to you from the CJB, or I can bring it to you from the King James. 
And it says in the King James, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That makes it, that puts the burden on you to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. In other words, salvation and your calling is not a pleasant thing to happen. You must cower in fear every day of your life. Here is what the next verse says. Even the translator, after writing that, and the following verse did not catch it. Here is what verse 13 of Philippians 2 says. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. In another place he says, It is he who works out salvation in us. We do not work out salvation. We cannot work out salvation. Our job is to follow his instructions because it is obedience in the end that will show us, that will bring us to that place where we receive salvation. Very quickly before I end, I want to mention the people who have been chosen once again. Uh, the people, yes, the few who have been chosen out of those who have been called. Those people cannot fail because the Creator predestined him or predestined them. So since the Creator cannot fail, that means those people whom he predestinated also cannot fail. So if you're around the group that has simply been called, and you have neglected to do the things that you should have been doing, you can fail. But the people who have been chosen the pe from eternity past, those people cannot fail. Their salvation is guaranteed. Over to you, Brooke. Thank you. You've been listening to Ken Vernon, author of Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. We are a peculiar people. And we've grown up in our peculiarities of faith based on those teachings of the traditions that you grew up in. I have a little bit of a analogy, you might say, of choosing one over another and something new that you've never known before. Today in my personal life as a market manager of a local farmer's market in the Amish country, I am, of course, in charge of getting there early and staying there late, and that means to help set up and to make sure that everything goes well in sending the horses and their buggies off of the farmer's market area safely. Today, there is two horses pulling a buggy, and behind that buggy, another buggy, almost like a modern truck tandem, like a FedEx double box trailer. Well, here you have an Amish buggy. 
tandem horses, too, for a good reason, because they are pulling about 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of produce in their trailing buggy. The buggy is backed in through the skill of the Amishman. Two horses backing a buggy with a trailer on it is a sight to behold. But you have that unloaded, and it then takes the horses and the original front-end buggy, the travel buggy, to a hitching post, where that horse will stand anywhere from 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning until about 1 in the afternoon before it's brought back to be hooked up to the trailer. Then is when the Amishmen will bring out their five-gallon buckets to trough the horses or feed them water. Today, I took it upon myself to help in the extra warm weather, decided to take the five-gallon bucket that was on standby while the other was being used for horse number one, and I imagined in my mind the horse number two saw one drinking, so it would definitely like to join in. So I picked up the other five-gallon bucket, which happened to be a red one, and the Amish gentleman was feeding the first horse the water out of a yellow bucket. As I walked over and prepared to feed the other horse, it knew instinctively, of course, to start drinking. I've never fed a horse, or in my memory, a water, maybe mulch or feed and hay, things like that, but never did I feed them out of the bucket. So you have this red bucket, and this horse instinctively puts his nose down in there with his bridle and bit in place and starts sucking like a modern-day wet vac that you all probably have around your homes, a wet back, a dry or wet back. And a sucking motion, I saw the water in this five-gallon bucket go down. Amazing. I did not know that. But I learned a new lesson through my visual seeing. What Ken has mentioned tonight and what we have been grown up in learning and trusting in those that taught us, we have a red bucket. Well, next to me was the Amishman whose horses had started to refuse the drink out of the yellow bucket. It took a few sips because it was thirsty, but it stopped. The Amishman was puzzled somewhat, saw my horse drinking readily. When my horse paused, I gave the red bucket to him, and the other horse continued to drink, ignoring the yellow. The Amish then took the yellow bucket to the other horse, and it, too, would not drink, and he realized it had to be in the bucket. He discarded the bucket. My question then immediately became, well, the color, are they not colorblind? They can differentiate. What else was the difference between the two buckets? Nothing that I could see. So we've drink from the well of what was commonplace to us growing up, and now we have a new bucket, and this program is that new bucket. And the water is started to sip on, then maybe you hear something contrary to what your beliefs are, so you stop drinking. And then you might sip a little bit more until you've got a stumbling block. That stumbling block is you not wanting to know the truth or the way in which it is garnered through the scriptures teaching the truth. Kind of be a little scary, you think, until you're fully engulfed in a bucket that is of pure water, uh, teaching that no one else has ever taught before, to our knowledge. And here you have it on this talk shoe format. So there you have somewhat of a two-bucket scenario, an analogy, if you will, to the new old teachings that we have 
kind of overlooked or soured or taste over the years of anybody else trying to bring to us the light or the truth of the waters of those seeking the truth. And with that, I'll conclude tonight's program, giving thanks once again that you have joined us here on Revelation of Revelation with Ken Vernon, myself as his assistant writer in the beginning stages. But let me say that Ken has advanced so much over the years that he is now writing most of his material, if not all of it. So I appreciate my part in all of this, and being the radio show host, I enjoy it immensely, and I hope that you do too. Tune in to the website, revelationofrevelation.com, to have your answers uh, to questions you might have completely answered by Ken Vernon in a direct relationship or in a future program. So until the next program, this is Brooke Polk on behalf of Ken saying good evening. Until next time, seek ye the truth. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.